0: There and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host Adam Russell. I'm your host Brian Key. I'm
1: headbanging to the intro music.
2: <laughs> I'm your host Nick Wamprat Gambarian. <laughs>
1: How many times can you say Womp Rat
2: in one episode? This episode is uh, Womp
0: Rat the Womp Rat. So Womp Rat heavy. Pod Womp Rat. Dude, if you're ever a naval aviator, your call sign should be Womp Rat.
1: Episode (laughs) Womp Rat number Womp Rat.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, Smurfs. They just use Smurf for each uh, word. Womp Rat Smurf. Bantha Smurf. Oh, Dude, there's a huge gross spider hanging over to my right. Gross. No, thank you. Inside your home? Yeah. It's a womp rat. You're kidding me, man. It's a womp rat (laughs) spider, yeah. It's a
1: huge, gross womp rat hanging over. Oh,
0: gross. All right, I'm not going to look at that, and I'm instead going to say that we're here to talk about the first episode of The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 9, The Marshall, a.k.a. Jaws, a.k.a. Tremors. A.k.a. Womp Rats. A.k.a. Womp Rat (laughs) Fest 2020.
1: This is a step forward in podcasting, This is the first time since we started the podcast that we've had real-time Star Wars material to cover. It's like being released, and we're covering it right
0: away. We're a real modern podcast. That's cool. A current, relevant podcast. I hope we don't suck at it. (laughs) So, uh, it was awesome. Can we just start by
2: saying that?
1: So awesome. Yeah.
2: I really, I did that thing where, like, I calmed myself down, but then I feel like 45 minutes into, like, whatever new Star Wars thing is, I realized I just haven't breathed, you know, like, just yeah. taking a breath. <laughs> so, like, I really was enjoying it, and I was not going nuts. And then it ended, I went to bed, because I watched it right at midnight when it when it hit Disney+. Plus. And I went to bed, and then it, like, came over me, like, happiness, you know? Like, I, yeah. my body, like, allowed myself to be happy, and I laid in bed for, until, like, 1.30 or something, just being just like, thinking wow, about I'm it. happy, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: What is this happy feeling? I tried so hard to stay awake, but it being, you know, being in central, it would have been 2 a.m. And at like one, I just realized I'm not going to enjoy this enough if I try to wait. I'm just going to be too tired and I'm going to blow it. Mm. I kind of
1: like the vibe of it being Friday night, Mm -hmm. even though it comes out at midnight, Thursday night. I Mm -hmm. I still kind of like the vibe of like, it's Friday. I'm going to pop some corns, (laughs) pour a glass of wine. And Friday night show. I don't know. I like that. So I I waited. I'm too t- worried
2: about spoilers. That's my, yeah. like, I'm on social media way too much. Yeah. Like, total addicted to it. I wouldn't be able to not find things out.
1: I don't think that there is, like, so season one, I've talked about how I, the whole thing was spoiled for me. One photo, you know, I was like, yeah. No! but i don't know what there could be that's going to be like an iconic one photo i scroll past yeah. like mm-hmm. that yeah. that would spoil it and in in the one in one day and i'm not surprisingly like being home because of covid i like work all day as opposed to being on tour mm-hmm. or whatever where i'm sitting around on my ass doing nothing all day swiping on my phone so i actually don't look at my phone much during the day so i didn't see anything on friday before i watched it
0: and i'm lucky enough To Well, this is the silver lining of being a dipshit who broke his phone, but I don't even have social media on my current phone because it's an iPhone 6 and it just barely functions, so I'm just like living like it's the 90s. Yeah, leave it off. It's way better. Anyway, I'm pumped to talk about this, so let's get into Stolen Plans. What have you done with those plans? Chapter 9, The Marshall, released Friday, October 30th, written by Jon Favreau, directed by Jon Favreau, starring... Well, eventually, the show will be starring all of our friends from season one, but right now, mainly starring Pedro Pascal, with guest stars John Leguizamo as Gore Koresh, Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth, and, spoiler, at the end, Tamara Morrison as somebody.
1: We don't know.
0: Not listed on IMDb, only just- Yeah, he is. He is on IMDb, actually. Wait, does mm-hmm. it say it? hmm Hold on, what did you see? Straight up. Because I looked. It says it. Boba
1: Fett. Does IMDb have like a Wikipedia vibe where people can go in and change it?
2: I'm
0: not sure. It says Tamara Morrison, Boba Fett. All right. Tamara Morrison, apparently, thanks to IMDb, it's official. Boba Fett. We're doing it. There were some other possibilities, but we'll talk about that later. Runtime 52 minutes. Sick. So pumped. Longest episode yet. Are they all going to be longer? I hope so, man. Yeah, I sure hope so. Yeah. 9.1 on IMDb. Well deserved. 100%
2: 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. I would have gave it a damn 10. It feels good to be like all on the same page with as a Star
0: Wars community. Everyone's yeah. just
2: like, yes, that is awesome.
0: Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> Way better. Let's get into this synopsis. We'll try to run this quickly and then talk about all the fun stuff that's here to talk about. So we open with Mando and the Child walking through graffitied streets. Banksy. Unidentified. <laughs> unidentified planet. They arrive at an underground fight venue where they see two Gamorreans fighting in a ring. Mando's come here to meet Gore Koresh, an alien who is hopefully going to give him a lead on the location of other Mandalorians that can help him bring the child to his kind, the Jedi, scattered around the universe. After a brief conversation, Gore tries to ambush Mando with his group of thugs. Mando easily handles Gore and his thugs, gets the info he needs, that there's another Mandalorian on Tatooine in a town called Mos Pelgo and leaves gore for dead, hanging upside down from a lamppost. Mando heads to Tatooine, lands in Mos Eisley Spaceport, and meets our old friend, Peli Motto. After some pleasantries and fawning over the child, Peli shows Mando where to go, thanks for the map assist, R5. So sick. With his little spot from the motivator blowing, so yep. sweet. Yep. And Mando heads out with the child on the speeder that he left at Peli's shop in season one. I watched it a second time with my parents, and I was like, so that's R5, and he <laughs> and they
1: were like, uh... What? Okay.
0: I was so excited that I had this info to give them. Mando pulls into the tiny dusty town of Mos Pelgo, greeted by a gauntlet of skeptical stares from its locals. That scene really almost
2: could have been aquatic. You know, like he's pulling in almost like it was a boat and like all those little whatever domiciles are looked like they were on docks, you know, yeah, like yeah. you easily yeah. could have took the sand out and he would have been on a canoe going through town. <laughs> like it, yeah. it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Through like a village in, in Vietnam. That
1: sand is hot, man. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. He stops at a cantina and asks the bartender where he can find a Mandalorian. He says, someone who looks like me. You mean the Marshal? The bartender says, we then see in the doorway, a man wearing Mandalorian armor, Boba Fett's armor, by the way, this is Cobb Vanth the Marshal of Mos Pelgo. Mando knows that Cobb Vanth is not a true Mandalorian as Cobb takes off his helmet, that's a no-no, and says that he's never actually met a real Mandalorian. Tensions start to flare as Mando demands that Cobb turn over the Beskar. Tensions escalate into a true Wild West-style showdown in the bar. But just as things are about to go down, the ground begins to shake and alarms blare. Mando and Cobb head outside to see a crate Dragon swim through the sands, down the street, through Mos Pelgo, swallowing a Bantha on its way out. So, so cool. Such a Tremors vibe. Yeah, totally. Cobb strikes a deal with Mando to help him kill the crate Dragon, and he'll turn over the Beskar. Mando agrees. Good deal. They hop on their speeders and head to the lair of the crate Dragon. Cobb apparently knows where he lives. (laughs) Along the way, Cobb tells Mando the story of Mos Pelgo, in the lowest speaking voice that a person has ever done on an open top vehicle, <laughs> tells the story of how Most Pelgo was overrun by the local mining collective once the Empire fell and how he got the armor. They stop in a valley where they meet massifs, big, gross-looking dog things that look like they came off the top of Dana Barrett's building, yeah. and some Tusken raiders. Mando communicates with the Tuskins and gets them to help kill the crate Dragon. They're not stoked on the crate Dragon either. Cobb, Mando, and a group of Tuskins go to scope out the crate Dragon's lair, which is an abandoned Sarlacc pit. They formulate a plan where the Tuskens and most Pelgo villagers will bait the dragon out of its lair to destroy it. The Tuskens and villagers team up with Cobb and Mando, leading the way back to the dragon's lair to set up an attack and lure the dragon out. They plan to bury the charges at the opening of the cave, hoping to awaken the sleeping dragon and detonate the charges under the belly of the dragon, which is apparently the only weak spot. The dragon, of course, doesn't cooperate. The plan falls apart. All hell breaks loose. And the Tuscans and villagers just start to fire everything they have at the monster. Lots of deaths, the shit's hitting the van, it's a mess. In the end, though, Mando defeats the dragon by presenting himself as bait, along with a Bantha, packed with explosive charges.
1: My dad goes... Poor
0: Bantha. I thought the same. I thought about your dad too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I told you about how he hates animals dying in movies and shit.
2: Because it started to run away too.
0: It's like yeah. I feel like it knew.
1: He's like, wait
2: a minute, I got a bunch of uh, explosive charges on me. I'm out of we here. We were
1: totally off topic. We were watching. I was eating dinner over there tonight. We were watching Anthony Bourdain and, in Marseille and and they're showing the bouillabaisse base getting prepared and they're throwing like the fish in the pan live and he's like he's so bummed my dad's so bummed and i'm like you should be a vegetarian
0: he's like (laughs) yeah maybe i should (laughs) just let him know i'll send him the recipes and the brands to buy i also couldn't help but think of jurassic park with the goat yeah is he gonna eat the goat (laughs) the dragon swallows up mando the bantha and the explosives but mando escapes with his jetpack, electrocuting the shit out of the dragon all the way out Imagine getting electrocuted in your mouth, on the back of your teeth. I just have this thing where, like, I you know, it's happy. like when you like you got pennies in your mouth. I think then, it would like, feel
1: different getting zapped that hard from the inside out than yeah. getting zapped
0: that hard from the outside in. <laughs> so he gets out. They detonate the charges. The thing blows up. Victory. We see the Tuskins excavating the remains. It's nasty as hell. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. But they pull. I mean, like they have these chunks of meat that look like. A little chunk from like a uh, beef and vegetable soup, you know. Just, little, <laughs> yeah. but it's like the size of like a watermelon. The one on the back of the speeder
1: looks looks like a, <laughs> yeah. like a giant Kobe beef fillet from Japan or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he's just like wrapping <laughs> it up in, in burlap, like for right. just the child gonna, like kind of touches burlap. it, like like, Ugh. yeah. Is, it, is that why he's <laughs> taking it? You think, like, I don't know, because we know that the
0: child likes to just straight up eat meat. Yeah. The child has like <laughs> a punch card from Fogo de Chao. He just. We have the meats. He loves those Arby's commercials. He's about it. I want some powder <laughs> to Kejo now, though. Uh, but they pull out of the remains of the dragon this giant pearl, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Cobb turns over the best guard of Mando. They head off into the sunset, the twin sunset. And we close with a final shot of a shadowy figure who turns out to be, as he turns to the camera, we see his face. It's Tamara Morrison. And now, as Nick confirmed, and I feel dumb because I didn't <laughs> see this on IMDb before— It's Boba Fett himself. It's very likely.
2: I feel, you know, IMDB could be wrong. Who knows? We could all be wrong. Could be misdirection. Obviously, it's a clone,
0: regardless of who it is. Yeah. But pretty safe bet it's Boba. I mean, regardless, it was a sweet moment to see that dude's face.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So if that was him at the end of chapter five in season one, that's all we saw that season. I hate to like burst anyone's bubble here. But what if this is the only time you see him and we don't get him to like season three or something? Oh, like we're getting another one of those? Yeah. 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 I don't think that's the case. But what if this is a, you know, like Favreau's definitely referenced or brought up Game of Thrones a lot Mm -hmm. when it comes to Mandalorian and we didn't get White Walkers ever, you know, like it was what the end of season one and then like little things here and there. I would hate for it to be that sort of
0: rollout with Boba Fett, but...
1: I mm. think he's going to play a role, dude.
0: Yeah, I mean. In the story. I think so, too. The thing I'm most excited about with that, because honestly, I said this before, and I'll get lots of hate for this, but I don't really care. I would prefer Rex or one of the other clones to just really tie in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. because Boba Fett looks awesome, but I never cared about his character at all. Yeah, totally. But, like you guys said, this is the chance to like really learn about his character, and yeah. to give us something that we can get invested in. So yeah. that's cool.
2: There is uh, the, the little bit of like character development when he was a kid in the Clone Wars, he was pretty vindictive. True, true. Like he was very, uh, you know, he wanted, he hated Jedi and yeah. he wanted revenge
0: on Mace for chopping off his daddy's head. So he could be a vindictive dude, you know? I mean, this would be a great opportunity to turn that, you know, because he's going to meet the child potentially. Yeah. He's going to want to kill him just on principle. Yep. Yeah, it's all lining up. I hope
1: he's part of their journey back to find the Jedi and he's going to be conflicted just like Mando was early on Mm -hmm. with the child. Like, I think it could be such a cool character development.
0: Yeah, I'm sold. You guys sold me. (laughs) I'm about it. Speaking of things that need to be sold, disagreements. (laughs) Do you guys think I'm good at segues or? uh... I do. I
2: think people tune in just for the segues. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we
0: cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. There's not much to gripe about here. There aren't many things.
2: Technicalities. Yeah,
0: it's it's great. They did such a great job already,
2: and it's refreshing to know that we're getting, like, seven more weeks of this. I have a couple little
0: ones we talked about, one specifically before the show. Who wants to go first?
1: So I don't I don't really have any, so I'll just say that one, and then we can. You've got a, <laughs> a Mandalorian in a mask on a speeder bike, and you've got a Marshall on a repurposed pod racing engine with a seat attached to it.
0: Going a good 60 miles an hour at least, yeah. right? at least. They're going fast.
1: I think they're going way faster than that because actually, let's do, this is going to be a two-part gripe now that you've said that because I'm going to bring <laughs> this up. When Pelly is showing him the map, it was like, so unless, we don't really know, I guess, like in reference to, to what else, the size of Tatooine, right? But she's like, this is Mos Eisley. This is whatever. Over here, spin the wheel, is Mos yeah, Pretty far, like
2: the other side of the world.
1: <laughs> and he's like, you got a speeder bike? I could just <laughs> head across the equator and down to the South Pole yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know? So assuming it's to scale of Earth, at least, that thing's going real fast. But find they're me-
2: speaking uh, no louder than we are right now. <laughs> Drew, see if you can find us a, a, a
1: scale map of Tatooine. Like, like, do they have it, the size of it compared to earth or the sun or the moon? It's the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> It'd have to be for them to get there, <laughs> there and back in daylight, you know? And they're just like,
0: yeah, man, so here, let me tell you.
1: Right. So that goes to the, to the actual gripe of they're going 280 miles an hour on speeder bikes and they're talking at <laughs> the same volume that we yeah. three are speaking now
0: they don't have headsets on come on they're not man. it's just like <laughs> i know they need to get that exposition out of the way but they couldn't at least be like hey man so you can can you hear me cool let me tell you <laughs> yeah. about what happened
2: <laughs> so where where my brain went was that's the first thing i noticed was why are they just using their like indoor voices very strange and then i noticed that Cobb Vance red scarf wasn't really blowing in the wind. Yeah. And it made me look at it more and I swear that thing is photoshopped on. It's very very strange looking. Well th- their hair is his hair blowing? His hair's barely moving. A little bit. Yeah. They could have cranked up the fans for that well, shot.
1: Well that's what. so if the, if it's not photoshopped on they were just in the volume and they yeah. just didn't do the look fans. Look at the lighting
2: right. <laughs> though. Look at the lighting and the editing. on It there's something real
0: yeah. weird about the way the way it looks. Looks like it's CG. There is a thing though with and this has been a thing with digital cameras for a while. The reds don't expose the same as they do on actual film. Like red is really bold and kind of like it kind of bleeds between, you know, on the edges into the other colors. It just does it looks not as good. Yeah. And I noticed, especially in the episode and maybe it's like, you know, I don't have a very good TV, but in, I forgot the chapter, the one with the prison break. Yeah. With all the red lights. Mm-hmm. I was like, are my TV settings screwed? Like, what did I change? Like, and there's also the compression of it coming over. You know, you can't, you can't set Disney Plus to a specific resolution or anything. Like, so it's yeah. kind of getting compressed weird. But that red in his suit stood out to me as weird in a few spots, actually. Yeah. Like, just everywhere. So, who knows?
1: Just to to go back to this really quick, Drew just uh, sent in, like, a, a graph of of the planets of Star Wars. So, assuming that this is, you know, canon and it looks new. So, assuming that it, it's correct, Tatooine is about 2,000 square kilometers, or what would it be? Square kilometers? I guess it would, right? Of the surface yeah. area. Smaller than Earth. So, that, that was a hike on a speeder bike, Yeah, judging yeah. by how far she spun that map. Right? It was like, she, like, flipped it to the other side. It was like the other side yeah. of the
0: Earth. Hopefully, she was zoomed way in on Google Maps
1: or whatever. <laughs> it was like, um, I need to be in Moscow.
0: Now, do you have a speeder bike? <laughs> <laughs> Here's my thing. This is just a question. This is not a gripe per se. How do whistling birds work? How do they know what to hit when he just flicks that little switch and it takes out all the dudes?
1: I'm going to try to do this for you because this is immediately what I think when I see it. When, when we've now gotten like a look in on inside Amando's helmet. and oh. His is pretty sick, right? His is new and it's got all the toys in it. Mm-hmm. I think he just spots them out and is like eye-tracking, and then they they hit
2: him. Yep, that makes sense. I buy it. I like that. I'm about that. I've seen other people. This doesn't bother me at all, but people are getting a little like "Uh, Tatooine again. We're going back there, you know? Like just (sighs) Come on. But to me, I'm just like, yo, literally Darth Vader was born there. It has relevance. It's important. You know, like there's something about it.
1: Also, okay,
2: so we're watching
1: The Mandalorian. God, you just got, yeah, I just got so pissed. (laughs) The switch just flipped. You're watching The Mandalorian, a show, as I've said many times, based on 45 seconds of film and a cool mask, okay? That's where this all came from. That character was plunged into a living, breathing, intestinal worm creature that lives Mm -hmm. in the sand on this planet, and we've now discovered that he escaped from said worm creature and you're mad you're, you're yeah. mad <laughs> that we went back to the planet where the reason we have the mandalorian like yeah. occurred it's what, it's like uh drives me you know, insane
2: dude it's like i don't know pick up a, a city in america that gained relevance after something big happened you know like it's it was the furthest place in the universe but the biggest villain besides palpatine i guess came from there and then his son yeah. came from there and there and leia came from there it's like it has gained relevance so it's it's of importance to the universe
1: i'm just saying that i think how specific the relevance is to this show yeah like what is your problem what, yeah <laughs> Please, just, of course, you have to find something to bitch about. As it like, <laughs> right. it just drives me insane. It's directly relevant to this show. Boba right. Fett, air quotes, died there.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, the Hut presence there is huge. Yep. And from watching the Clone Wars, we now know how big of a deal the Huts are everywhere in the galaxy. And Jabba, being from there, being like the the big bad gangster, like yeah, that's a place of focus. Doesn't bother me. I'm glad we actually went to a new town, though. That's cool.
2: And she did, uh, Peli did mention Mos Espa, and I'm pretty sure that's where Anakin was born. So. Yeah,
0: that's technically where the Lars homestead is, right?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, or, or yeah, like yeah.
0: on the outskirts of it. Last thing for me, in a certain point of view, I'm bummed on the Bantha being bait with <laughs> explosives on it. Like, it's just a two-part thing. One, like, you got bombs on it, and you're just gonna like, he's just like, <laughs> you know, he's Savage, just, just like a bomb robot out there trying to defuse landmines or whatever Mm -hmm. he's just chilling he's like seriously like scared and it's like yeah I'll just go down there and we'll just he'll get swallowed up and he'll blow up the thing and then we'll all have steaks or whatever (laughs) I'm not about that I feel bad same thing felt
2: bad for the mudhorn in season one yeah man and they're like yeah maybe Mando is wrong
0: well the Jawas the Jawas are jerks the Jawas were the reason that Mando had to go do that as much as I love Jon Favreau I know he doesn't really give a shit much about animals and that bums me out (laughs) It's just obvious.
1: I mean, you're talking about a desert planet where the fundamental reasons for a disagreement on what purpose animals serve. On Tatooine, you're a human being and you got to eat and you got to survive. You're above them on the food chain. So it tracks for me. And in the way that they are forced to live on Tatooine, (laughs) I get it.
0: Yeah.
2: There was something very uh, odd, too. I feel like in the 90th percentile, only Tuscans and Banthas died in that whole battle. I don't Mm -hmm. think any of the humans from the
0: villagers were on. Yeah, you'd have to go back
2: and see how much of that bile got sprayed on any
0: humans if you could catch it real quick. (laughs) All right, let's move on.
1: Over a thousand
0: generations, it is the
1: dark city, Toronto oh, gosh. It's a Calicore, a Sith wayfinder, dark science, cloning
0: secrets. Only the Sith knew so many gems in the den of antiquities on this one. Oh, yeah, right off the top. Gamorians fighting. We know Gamorian guards from Jabba's Palace on Tatooine, way more fit. These Gamorians, yeah.
1: yeah, they were a little <laughs> slimmer, weren't they? <laughs> yeah,
0: a lot of muscle. They're still big bone guys, you know what I mean, but yeah. uh, a lot of muscle. Nick, you put down a lot of these. You want to go through some of these? Yeah. I I think it's cool that that there's
2: definitely a bunch of things in this first episode, which is like almost, I guess the best way to put it would be like referencing season one. You know, like building upon Mandalorian lore already, and that's Mm -hmm. things like uh, his weaponry. He pulls out the vibroblade right away, uses the whistling birds. They're drinking spachika again in, in the cantina. It's like all these things that were new to most of us in season one, they brought them back right away to kind of just double down on on universe building and world building, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, this is our new world. Yeah. And one thing, too, I uh, this was uh, above my pay grade, but uh, Gore Koresh says, I swear it by the Gatra. When I had the uh, subtitles on for that one, I was like, let me go Google what the Gatra is. And according to Wikipedia, the Droid Gatra was a droid group that supported droid rights. So I had to look up what that was and make sure it wasn't just nonsense. But it is something from uh, some other Star Wars lore.
0: There was a book in 2014 called Tarkin Star Wars. It was just about Tarkin. Shit, I read that book. I do not remember that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the one you said was boring (laughs) yourself. Yeah, but there's this dope illustration of some droids and... An alien that looks looks like he fits right in with Gamorians I don't know. Hmm. We should look into this a little more, maybe post something about it. It's pretty cool.
2: Next. I like this one. Oh, yeah. Peli Motto uses that uh, Luke Skywalker pronunciation of Tatooine. So the locals uh, don't say Tatooine like we would, but Tatooine. It's like Toronto and Toronto. Toronto. The bartender. I thought this was funny because it's kind of the same thing as, uh, you know, in Chapter one, uh, season one, chapter one, where the, the blue-faced dude, played by Horatio Sands, his character was just called Mithral, but that's actually just the race of right. that character. So when Cobb Banth walks into the cantina and asks, he says, Weakway, two snorts of Weak Weakway is just the race of the alien. So it's kind of just being like, hey, pig, get over here. You know, like it's yeah. really, the, it didn't have a name. A little racist. Yeah, yeah a little it, bit.
1: That's, that's not really that.
2: Good of a look for yeah.
1: <laughs> Star Wars, if you really yeah. think about
2: it. Hey, colored guy, get over here. Yeah. Not good. So again, two snorts of Spotchka. That's that's building on that uh episode was it four where Cara Dune comes, uh, chapter mm-hmm. four. I think so. I didn't know of Spotchka before that. The crate dragon is pretty cool. I've heard of the crate dragon in their pearl. The pearl is something that uh could be used to power a lightsaber, kinda like a kyber crystal. So I'm really wondering if this is just like legitimately an Easter egg, like, oh cool they got to create dragon pearl or could that come back into play eventually where like, right. They find a saber. It doesn't have a crystal and they got to go back to Tatooine and, and get the pearl from the
0: Tuskens to like power somebody's lightsaber. could be cool. Or could it be used as any power source, you know, just like crystals, you know, it could be in a weapon or anything.
1: I mean, some of the stories in season one circled back, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like they've used that writing tool as far as we saw this early in the season. And now we need to, we need to circle back to that Mm storyline. So, I, I could see it happening.
2: Yeah, for sure. So the crate Dragon, just so people don't think that a dragon is all of a sudden something new in Star Wars. That is the actual, if you could picture 3PO and R2 walking through the desert in Tatooine in A New Hope, and you see that kind of what looked like almost like a snake pile of bones. That's actually the bones of a crate Dragon. So it does go all the way back to uh, 1977.
1: Got a little... Uh info on the pearls from producer drew Mm -hmm. they're in the last chamber of the gizzard of the dragons and they're used to help crush food so they they the lizard gizzard they become (laughs) rounded because of how much they move around they're in colors blue green red white and black and due to a refractive quality peculiar to the pearl they could be used in a lightsaber if properly cleaned prepared and installed though it it is a difficult task they're super valuable a hundred thousand credits or more and they're also uh, proof that you killed a Krayt dragon, which is Tuscan Raider style, like a trophy.
0: Big flex. <laughs> hey, one more thing, real quick about the weak way going back. That's the same species as Hondo Anaka. Yep, sure is. And one of the bounty hunters, I forgot the name, in that you know that forty-five seconds in Empire.
1: I was reading that note on the pearl when you were talking about three PO and R two in the desert. Was that in the? That's in the original uh-huh. unedited yep. version. killer
2: that wasn't added or
1: anything you you can't you know it's it's hard to tell yeah
0: yeah what is and
1: isn't so but that that, was there
0: for years i thought it was just rocks on the the edge of the hill and then for some reason it wasn't until like 10 years ago i saw the skull and i was like
1: oh whoa. when i say hard to tell it's obviously it's not a lot of it is not hard to tell it's really bad (laughs) cgi but i feel like some of the stuff like like the skeletons and stuff they just like added more skeletons in because that one was there so it's like which one was there which one wasn't
0: and it's yeah. so hard to tease out in your memory what was there, what wasn't before, mm-hmm. you know, because additional scenes added back in, you know, that yeah. kind of shit. Uh,
2: speaking of Cobb's speeder from earlier, it's definitely part Pod Racer, and a lot of people are leaning towards it being part of Anakin's
0: Pod Racer. So I don't know if I buy that 100%, but it's possible. Definitely from the same model of Thruster or something similar. Yeah, totally. Speaking of that, though, there's this—I noticed this— Right away and went and kind of confirmed it. The mining guild agents that, you know, after the Death Star blows up, kind of kind of take over the town. Mm. And we see in the flashback, we see Cobb Vanth come in and shoot him up in the, the cantina. When they escape, before he nails them with the missile, they jump in this speeder. I'm 99% sure that's the same model or a very similar model to the one that's in Luke's garage. Mm-hmm. It just kind of sits there in the background that looks, it's got like a, a pretty 70s old school kind of look to it, you know? Yeah. Pretty Which cool. I, another thing I, I didn't even notice that until I was like in my 20s, that there's a speeder right there. Yeah. Parked in the garage.
2: So the the character of Cobb Vanth, and I feel like this is a pretty big, hopefully precedent for Star Wars, the Star Wars universe. The character of Cobb Vanth exists in a canon novel, the aftermath series. He's not a huge character in those. He's in these like interlude chapters. So he's not necessarily a part of the narrative of the aftermath trilogy, but those those books all kind of take a break every once in a while and there'll be a chapter of like an interlude and and that's where Cobb Vanth comes from so it's pretty cool finally to kind of almost get this like a Marvel universe kind of thing going where Star Wars pulled a character from either a comic or this one in particular novel so there's a lot of good characters out there especially you know obviously in the expanded universe so We'll see if they start to get comfortable doing this. So it doesn't have to always be this, like, fresh idea, someone making things up. It's like there are characters and story arcs and all this stuff that people are comfortable with that totally makes sense in the universe that Star Wars can reference, which is pretty cool.
1: This is is a big one, but in this time period that this show is set, I feel like Thrawn is coming, dude. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, this is the time when he Mm -hmm. was out there. It may not be this season, but if they keep going with this, you mm-hmm. know, and wait, hold on, when did he? So, so Admiral Thrawn was like out on a mission somewhere with his fleet when the yeah. Battle of Endor happened. That, so, he's mm,
2: right,
0: is
1: that legends That's now? Though? Legends
2: now, though, the last time you see Thrawn in canon is the end of rebels, and he didn't die though, right. No, no, he's still out there, so
0: right, right. that story's right. on So
2: Okay, so I guess I would say yeah. that
1: like the Legends version is not counted out. I mean, I know that yep. it's, it's not right. canon, but he wasn't a part of any of this original trilogy that we mm-hmm. know of, yet he was a major player in the Empire in canon. Yep. And a lot of stuff from Legends does get adopted, uh, just kind of revised, right, mm-hmm. into canon. They've yep. used a lot of stuff from it. So I just feel like everybody loves him, and they're mm-hmm. doing such a good job so far of stuff like that. Why wouldn't they, you know, like a run in with the empire and whoever Moff Gideon is reporting to, I don't know. I'm totally speculating obviously, but it just, man, could be so cool. I think
2: bad guys in Star Wars is like, is a little bit of a problem. So hopefully Moff Gideon's just totally a bad guy till the end, you know, and then bringing Thrawn into the fold eventually would be great. Like just having like, who is a bad guy in Star Wars once you get rid of Palpatine, Vader, Kylo you know like uh, I think it's it's a little bit of an issue so hopefully they they just keep these bad guys as bad and bring Thrawn I mean everyone's gonna lose their mind he's a bad dude yeah and I agree yeah everyone
1: will lose their mind
2: yeah and there's a place for this story to
1: intersect with it somehow I mean Mm -hmm. you know like we the three of us could sit here and write it tonight so right (laughs)
2: I thought it was funny, and I noticed it right away because it was so awkward looking when Cobb uses the uh, Boba Fett's rocket launcher to blow up the mining guild speeder.
1: Yeah, it, it's kind of he, like he's pushing out a shit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but the old Kenner— three-and-three-quarter-inch figures only had five points of articulation. Yeah. So, like, you could really only bend it over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was, like, such a funny, like... That had to be a, like, felony nod to be like, well, as yeah. a kid playing with my figure, I had to just kind of bend him over to make him and pretend that he out. shoots the rocket <laughs>
0: Yeah, because, I mean, the easy solution, the cool-looking solution would be, like, he takes one knee, like, really, you yeah. know, gets in a cool position, but nope, he just... <laughs> <laughs> those kind of dog uh, animals that the Tuskens had, those were
2: seen in Attack of the Clones in, like, kind of the Tusken settlement that Anakin goes to. So, uh,
0: we haven't seen them since Attack of the Clones, which is cool, and they're called Massifs. Zul's demon dogs. <laughs> yeah.
1: There is no Lena.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Tuskens, though, I really like they're taking additional steps in writing to humanize the Tuscan raiders. Mando not only communicating with sign language with them, but actually speaking to them was the first time that we've ever seen that. And I thought it was awesome. And again, building on the whole season one lore,
2: Tuscans are seen using those binocs that I'm assuming this is the same group of Tuscans that Mando met in season one. They're using those binocs, which they got from Toruk in chapter five.
0: Looks like the same ones, yeah.
2: Definitely a really cool little nod to A New Hope. Tusken Raiders are seen traveling in single file. These tracks are side by side. Sand people always ride single file to hide their numbers. Nerdy little detail, but you know that if two Banthas were shown on screen in this chapter side to side, everyone would have lost their minds. Blame (laughs) Kathleen Kennedy for making Banthas (laughs) travel side by side or something.
1: I thought it was cool in the... um Victory over the dragon when the Tuscans are raising their their blasters or staff yeah. kind of blasters yes. rifles over their heads and and i I was thinking about how much like the whole show came from forty five seconds of of film that came from an editor going I don't have any footage of this shit they shot this in 30 seconds and I have to make a scene out of it and so he was running the film back and forth in the scene where the Tusken Raider is standing over Luke Skywalker in mm-hmm. A New Hope to make it look like he's raising and lowering his yeah. staff in a, in a try kind of like intimidating motion and now you see all the Tuskens doing it as if it's like part of just that's what they right. do you know it's like yeah.
0: how they celebrate it's it came from like a quick and dirty fix with like a couple dozen frames that they had to work with yeah mm-hmm. very cool. Cool. So sweet.
1: Noticed it right away that they were all doing that.
0: What else we got?
2: Okay, so Cobb says there's uh, no such thing as an abandoned Sarlacc pit, to which Mando responds, there is if you eat the Sarlacc. So that got my brain thinking, like, maybe this has Mm -hmm. something to do with how Boba got out, you know? Like, maybe there's going to be a flashback scene of Boba. In the sarlacc, kind of about to die. Crate dragon eats the sarlacc. Boba gets out somehow. Just seemed like a <sighs> peculiar thing to say. And
0: I'm like, yeah, uh, okay. I'm gonna remember that part. Goes flying out like jetpack got activated. Yep. Armor goes one direction. His body goes the other. Mm-hmm. That'd be dope.
1: And we see the barge like burning
2: on the ground. Yeah, I mean, who knows how long he was in there? You know, because there's yeah. a whole
0: the whole thing. And
2: when three PO is explaining how <laughs> For the thousand years. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> who knows
0: how long uh, Boba was in there? Speaking of flashbacks, though, this is the first of this kind of flashback ever, and only the second flashback period in all of Star Wars, right? The other one being in The Last Jedi.
2: Yeah, well, then there was the in Rise of Skywalker, there was Luke and Leia training. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flashbacks are a new thing, though. Like Ryan Johnson for sure brought flashbacks into storytelling, which is cool. I like yeah. it. Season one, Mando flashback season one. Yep, totally. Uh, to, uh, yeah. Totally. To him.
0: I'm tripping. Uh, what else we have here?
2: Mando hits uh, Cobb's jetpack, which causes it to malfunction, oh, yeah. which is definitely what Han did to Boba Fett's—well, <laughs> to the same jetpack uh, on the skiff. Yeah. Yeah. Boba, Boba Fett. Fett which is funny. And then
0: he references it later and just says, you tell your people I wasn't the one who broke that. <laughs> and then this last one, which is now, according to IMDb, rendered bullshit— <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I, I think instead of being an actual, we, we dug this up and found the information, you should just say, you know, how you felt when you saw it for the first time. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting.
0: Yeah, when I, so when I saw Tamara Morrison at the end, I didn't think Boba Fett immediately. I mean, I did, but half a dozen things popped in my head as possibilities. One was, that's Boba Fett, holy shit, that's sweet. Two is, that could be Rex mm-hmm. or Wolf, who we know lived at least up to the beginning of the rebellion. They were in Rebels in one BBY, right? So they were pretty old. They were early 30s, which for clones is like their 60s because they mature at twice the the rate. Growth acceleration. Yeah, so supposing this was one of the clones because Boba Fett didn't have the growth acceleration, so he is, at this point, he would be a normal 41-year-old person. He is on Tatooine, which would help justify why he looks so old and decrepit. because Tamara Morrison is older than 41. I mean, something to do with the pit, or if he was in the dragon. Yeah, that you know? too. Would he be, yeah. Would he be 41, or he would be older? When we meet him... No. Born 32 BBY as well. Born the same year as the other clones that we know so well.
1: That just doesn't track with the casting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we know that now, officially, Tatooine ages people pretty hard. Two sons, Which man. explains why... Yeah, it's a lot of UV light. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like living in a damn tanning bed. So we know that Obi-Wan, it's a retcon, but you know, you take Alec Guinness, who was, what, like late 70s or something at the time, mm-hmm. but he's only supposed to be in his 50s. Yeah. So same thing applies here. But point being, since Mandal- the Mandalorian takes place in 9 ABY, all of these clones, including Boba Fett, would be 41 years old. So even if the average lifespan of a clone is half that of an average human since they were engineered to mature twice as fast, that would mean they would be genetically kind of like Mm 82-ish, which is still fine. That would still work out for Rex and Wolf. So even if this isn't them, and it is Boba Fett and IMDb is correct, there's still a chance that we can see some of the other clones in this series. I think so. So one thing that, you know, 10 minutes into this episode—
2: you see Timothy Oliphant in Boba Fett's armor mm-hmm. and I stay away from spoilers, but there has been leaks like by Hollywood Reporter. They're not even leaks. Mm-hmm. They're just actually reporting, you know, like reputable right. sites saying Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka, Timothy Oliphant has been cast and Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth wearing Boba Fett's armor has been like out there for months and I've just been like, yeah, whatever. I mean, cool. That happened 10 minutes into this episode, which makes me think all of those other like reports are like, we're definitely getting Ahsoka. We're definitely getting oh, like Bo-Katan, dude. like all these other things that are like, it just kind of puts relevance on them. So I'm stoked they got right into it, honestly. Like I'm I'm Same. glad that wasn't like a mid-season reveal or something. It was like right at, yeah. the, right at the top of the season. I'm about that. I love but it. But Maybe, you know, why not have Tamura Morrison be Rex when they finally meet up with Ahsoka, you know, and like right. have Boba look at old man Rex.
0: Put them in the same scene. Be so cool. God, that would be so sweet. I would love that. But we also love these things. I love you. I know. That was a good segue. So good. (laughs) Well, Thank you. (laughs) We've got a solid list. We put out the polls to the patrons. There's also a few, some honorable mentions I want to throw in here. Thank the force. What a sweet saying. Why haven't we heard that yet? Pelly said that. Yeah, that was great. Doesn't matter. We heard it now. Still. We would have had a great sound by it if she just said thank the maker, though. What the hell? <laughs> Can we get that? We need that too. All right. Most Pelgo, like we talked about earlier, it's cool to see a small town, another town on Tatooine. And I love actually, despite our gripe with whether or not it's even possible to hear each other talk, it's like the damn uh <laughs> it's like point break when they're talking while they're skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> even though that that's a gripe. I love that we get that all that exposition about what happened in that town post empire. And mm-hmm. it gives us a lot of awesome insight into what post empire life was like. And I, f- I feel like we've talked about that in the past about probably rise of Skywalker. Right. We were talking about when she went back to Tatooine at the end. And it's like, why is it just this desolate place and nobody's been around? This is telling us right yep. here. I love that. I also love how they're just like Favreau, especially, I mean, you can tell that he directed this episode because it's leaning so hard into the Western themes, like the small town thing, the marshal. I mean, just the name of the thing. Timothy Oliphant's twang and that dialect, like around these parts, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. The quick draw, duel in the bar, the shot from behind the holster. You think that they're just like they're going to run out of these things because they're using all of them. They're using every Western trope. (laughs) They got a spreadsheet. They got just like, yeah. He says the one quote he says, I guess every once in a while, both suns shine on a womp rat's tail. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) And then him, when he's telling the story, about how he escaped and he's wandering stumbling through the desert even just like the way he's walking how he's dragging his toes yeah you
2: know pigeon toads that what it's called yeah th-
0: that's <laughs> such a western thing and then the flashback again going back to the post empire life that flashback with the, like the news footage of the death star exploding mm-hmm. is so dope it's cool it feels like fan servers but it's it's also just like Good stuff. It's just more world building. Yeah. Well, it had relevance.
2: Like we only get to see endor celebrations, but it had relevance in the whole universe, the whole galaxy. Yeah. You know, so like that's the news. Tune in at 11. Watch the Death Star blow yeah. up.
0: <laughs> it supports Lucas's changes, actually. Like we said, we of course went to the patrons to vote. We polled the patrons on favorite scenes and favorite quotes. And we gave them the following nominees. Favorite scenes. We have Mando versus Gore Koresh and the Thugs in the Fight Club, whatever you want to call that thing. Cobb Vanth reveal in Boba Fett's Beskar armor in the cantina. The Cobb Vanth flashback showing the Death Star to destruction. The second one, by the way, or whatever he says. (laughs) And acquiring the Beskar from the Jawas. I also love in that scene how when he's l- he's just laying there and he's like, he says, and then I was saved. <laughs> yeah. And the, the transport pulls up. It's a really cool shot. Really, again, seeing like the scale of that transport mm-hmm. and how he's just a tiny little man. Next, Mando and Vanth using jetpacks for an air attack against the crate Dragon. That was dope. Seeing yeah. them both take off. Oh, they man. felt the need yeah. for speed. So There's something yeah. specifically about that.
2: Like Mando goes up first and then you're like, wait, is Cop Van's going to go, and then he just goes up real smooth like he's done
0: it before. Yeah. It was smooth, is exactly what it was. Super Iron Man and War Machine style. Yeah. They should adapt before they went up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, final nominee, Boba Fett lives, exclamation mark. Yeah. <laughs> One thing we didn't talk about, should have put this in the den.
2: So he has like a Tusken Raider, like gaffy stick and rifle on him at
0: the end there. Yeah. So that
2: really, that's another little clues to what he's possibly been doing.
0: And the winner, with 52% of the vote... Boba Fett lives the final shot. Very cool. Second place is Mando and Vanth using their jetpacks, Iron Man style. And then the others just paled in comparison. A pretty unanimous vote there. Favorite quotes. First, from Peli Motto. This is a good one.
1: How much do you want for it? Just kidding, but not really. You know, if this thing ever divides or buds, I will gladly pay for the offspring.
0: Uh, same, Pelly. <laughs> Next, from Cobb Vanth. I'm sure you call the shots where you come from, but round here, I'm the one who tells folks what to do. He barely says who, he just says, I'm the one who tells folks what to yeah, do. Totally.
1: <laughs> it just says full on deadwood accent.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. He's so good at it. Distractingly handsome Timothy Oliphant. That dude's got like a twenty seven inch waist, by the way. Yeah, yeah. When he walks in. It's like uh It was
2: awkward. The reveal. Yeah. Because he's so skinny. Yeah. Like it's yeah. like a straight line down. Like
0: Shh. it's like, hey bud. Uh, Where's your dad? (laughs) Does he know you're wearing his clothes? (laughs) Next, Vanth and Mando. We're going to do this in front of the kid. He's seen worse. That's just such an exchange between badasses.
1: And that scene is the
0: most Western of Western stuff we've seen. Straight up. I mean,
1: straight up hand shot, like, over the holster. Mm -hmm. Bartender watching. (laughs) It, It was
0: just classic. Next, from Cobb Vanth. I guess every once in a while, both suns shine on a womp rat's tail. i said that one before because I love it. And lastly, from Mando. If we fight amongst ourselves, the monster will kill us all. In his voice, it's sweet, but I, just, I can't help but think like, he's just like, oh, come on, guys, let's not fight. Like, I'm just thinking of like, I don't know, there's a million examples of that. It's funny. And the winner, with 36% of the vote, I guess every once in a while, both suns shine on a womp rat's tail. This is the Womp Rat Podcast. I'm so glad
1: that one won with
0: Nick Womp Rat Gambarian. Next week on Womp Rat (laughs) Cast. This is a pretty quotable episode. And second place with almost as many votes, we can do this in front of the kid and so on. Solid turnout with those votes and all the fantastic turnout. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Wow, dude. Thank you, Drew, for teeing that (laughs) up. We got some notes from Drew here. 32. BBY, 10 years before the events of Attack of the Clones, The Mandalorian Season 2 takes place in 9 ABY, meaning Boba Fett is 41 years old at this point in the timeline. One year older than us, looking crusty. (laughs) Either we age well or he aids like crap.
1: Yeah, that that doesn't compute, dude. It's just, I mean... They're going to have to figure out how to explain that. Dude's <laughs> 60 years old. Yeah. I mean,
0: none of us have been swallowed by anything. Or-
1: yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe they're going to explain it by...
0: It, the, it's the bile, you know, like the lizard, yeah. sarlacc bile. By mm-hmm. the way, Ole Fantastic" is <laughs> is an official nickname of Timothy Olyphant <laughs> From IMDb, at least. That could be... Who knows? But that's awesome. All right. This is a shorter one, but I like it because we're wrapping up already. It's good. Yeah, I mean... It's going to be rad to
1: get into these every week and break them down after. Your companion podcast. Quote of the week. Let's hear it. Ryan Key. Sometimes I get after these quotes while we're recording and they're like relevant to the episode. And this one I feel like definitely is, you know, Nick, you, you mentioned something about bad guys Mm -hmm. and how they're like, aren't any because they all turn good. Yeah. And so there's that. And then also the fact that. Like, my dad was so psyched to watch this with me. Like, it was like I was 10, you know, and he was 40. He would have been when I was 10. And like, he was so psyched to watch this. And I just think that generational non-gap, the ability to bond with your family over Star Wars is just... Generational
0: bond. Yeah, it's just wild.
1: So this quote is from none other than Dave Filoni himself. And it says, you know, Star Wars, even when it gets dark, it comes back to the light. It makes you feel good. I think families enjoy watching it and
2: sharing in it. Facts. Yeah. Families, friends. It's great. we got a podcast. We're
0: hanging. We're chatting. I'm really going to need that pull towards the light tomorrow on election day.
1: (laughs) 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 We're recording this on the eve of the presidential election. For those of you that maybe come back and listen to this podcast 10 years from now, when the three of us are figuring out what old folks home we're going to live in (laughs) together. So (laughs) tomorrow...
2: The internet will be banned. I mean, uh... this is the thing.
1: This is the thing. If you're listening to Thank the Maker all the way through, like you're going through 80, 90, 200 episodes, you're just powering through it in the year 2030. Tomorrow is the election that decides whether Joe Biden will take the presidency or Donald Trump will be reelected president. So tensions are high and people are stressed and it's a weird time to be alive. So that was my time capsule for the podcast. There you go.
0: I think it's safe to say that regardless of the outcome, shit's going to be gnarly. We all lose.
1: There's a fan and it's going to be hit.
0: (laughs) All of the shit. (laughs) All right. Thank you everyone for listening. If you want to find the podcast on social media, you can of course find us on Instagram at thankthemakerpod, on Twitter at thankthemaker1, and you can find my stuff at adamtheskull on all of the things.
1: When you go searching the webs for me... Type at
2: William Ryan Key, and there I shall be. Hey. If you want to follow this womp rat, <laughs> type in www.womprat.com <laughs> <laughs> slash Nick Bayside. <laughs> now I'm I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Nick <laughs> Bayside. And I don't know. The internet the <laughs> social media is real sketchy it's a these days. So I don't fire. know what it's gonna be like. That's yeah, what it is. I don't know. It's
0: a dumpster fire full of womp rat it's shit. A, it's
2: it's
1: <laughs> it's a fully active Sarlacc pit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is no fun. One place that is fun, though, is Patreon.com slash Maker. <laughs> so that's a fun place. Good times where you can support our podcast. And coming sooner than later, I promise, some changes to the format, some new cool stuff that we're going to do with you folks, and some more accessible and straightforward tiers on which to support us.
1: Did you say cooler perks? Did you ever say that? Yeah. Okay.
0: Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Until next week. Chapter 10 where we'll have more cool stuff. May the Force be with you.